Hey, what's up? It's your girl Tamira, aka Girl from Harlem. And this is Ray Daniels, aka the Culture Referee. And this is the God Show. And today, and today we are excited because I have a very special guest in here. Um, it's my. It is. It's rare that I look at someone as a mentor. Y'all won't hear me say that word too much because you know people don't act like mentors. They don't. Mm. They don't show love to the youth. And I feel like my team don't even know that they sitting in the room with a legend. Because if y'all think I've done something, I've been playing catch up to my guy right here. <laughs> you know, the first guys in the city with a studio, their own building. You know, the Tricky and the Dream, Rihanna, Umbrella, shit. Beyonce, Break My Soul. We had the number one record and somebody took it from us. It was my man right here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he's like one of the most humblest giants and, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that I go to to talk to about shit. Like, you know, the people, that person that you trust, that you know is not going to tell you what they want you to hear, but tell you what you need to hear. So he's one of those guys. So, you know, we've been talking a lot. And I was telling him, I was calling him because his brother is one of the biggest producers of all time, Tricky Stewart. Mark Stewart is here. And I was telling Mark, I was like... Just kind of making sure, like on some OG shit, yo, I'm going to have Tricky come on the show. <laughs> I'm just making sure you know, because, you know, Tricky yeah. hit me like, let's do it. Yeah. So Mark was like, shit, I need to come on. I'm like, what? Hell yeah. So we got a, we got a special guest in here. I call him MES. If you know him, you call him MES. Um, if you don't know him, call him Mark Stewart. But all the buildings call him the nigga that comes to get the check. Uh -oh. <laughs> about, we got Mark Stewart right, in here. Let's get it. Let's get it. Thank, thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate, appreciate y'all having me here. So, yeah. so, so we got Mark here. So, Mark, we're going to run through the show the way we usually do it. Tamira's going to just, like, run through some topics. And you could like, comment. And then we're going to get into the whole point of why we're here, which is just discuss R&B music and, 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 and what we think happened to it and what we think can make it better and, you know, just have a healthy, fun conversation. Then we got a top five coming that I can't wait to hear his. You know, <laughs> I, I got I to say this first. I don't talk. You, you don't. know that. I know. But when I saw what you were doing with, with this podcast, first of all, I love it. And congratulations to both of you, all you and the whole team for putting it on. It's awesome. Um, but I wanted to be on because I like this is a conversation. The way you have them yes. is the way I would only be a part of it. So yes. you, you're literally like the only person who can get me out yeah. to oh. go talk. I don't talk about myself. And yeah. What and and the crazy, don't I say that? Yeah. Every time I'm on the show, they'd be like, what do you? I'm like, I don't talk about what I do. I yeah. just do it. I don't talk about it. But I wanted to make sure that we had Mark on here and Mark was able to like voice his opinion and everything else. Wait, I want to go into how this whole thing started. So um, the conversation behind doors, what was that conversation about initially? I'm sorry, repeat the question. What was the conversation that you guys initially had behind closed doors? Because if I'm not mistaken, this came from you reacting to something that we spoke Oh, about. yeah. The original conversation <laughs> happened. Well, like, I think, like, By the way, Mark is always in the comments. Mark is one I of the rare the people who is in the comments arguing with me, and I hear what he says. Like, yeah. he's one of the rare ones who I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta address Well, because it, I just be throwing my little stuff in, but, nah, it was about the songwriter one. Mm. Uh, it was a songwriter episode that I really got into into because one um i had probably i think i was the only manager or executive that had two writers in the discussion uh, -oh. uh i had esther dean i published like oh, yeah. five of her i forgot hits. you signed esther dean yeah uh, Hello. and then Get dream i managed dream and you know discover dream put dream in position well you know. not true my brother laney discovered dream well i'm saying I, what, I managed what, what's laney stewart. last name stewart what's your, what's your last name stewart okay i claim my brother yeah. wins and he better claim mine so yeah. the stewart family yes. you are <laughs> the stewart family. which i got another bone to pick with you because you had a 
biggest families in the music industry, and you left my family out, and I didn't want to have to come in here and run Stop. that resume. I, 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 I want to say something. I want to say something. He right because I forgot Jason Weaver's their cousin. Yes, who played Michael Jackson in the Jackson Five movie? The voice of Simba in the Lion. The King. The voice of Simba in the Lion King. Yeah. Uh, Kuk Harrell is their cousin, yeah. who is like the probably the biggest vocal producer in the Five world. Five-time Grammy winner. He, he, Rihanna doesn't cut a song without Kuk Harrell. Rihanna yeah. can be in Africa and Kuk could be in Atlanta. She's yeah. like, I got to cut a song, fly Kuk in. Like, yeah. so, but here's the thing, though. We were getting into our groove of things, so Tamara sometimes puts me on the spot. So now we're in a place now where we have our notes and we're like developing and getting better, so... I'm, I'm going to get to the Stewart family, but look, I got you here though. So yeah, yeah. Tell everybody about the Stewart family because it's a book that you all should go read called um, "The Hit Machine" or "The Hit Fact." What's it called exactly? The Hit. Oh man, that. Yeah, the I New York Times writer, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And he basically talks about how some of the biggest songs in the world were made, and when he tells the story, he talks about this family. Yeah. Um, just real quick, like from a family standpoint, you mentioned Cook's my cousin. Uh, Jason's my cousin, so Jason's mom and Kook's mom and my mom sang in a group together in Chicago. What? Yeah. They had two record deals, one on Capitol, one on Mercury in the 70s. Oh, sure. Um, so we all grew up close, and we grew up in the studio around music. I have cousins that play instruments and sing that are not in the business. My cousin Cynthia Kook's sister is the vocal on the Gatorade commercial, I Want to Be oh. Like Mike. Like oh, wow. That's my cousin Cynthia. Uh, my uncle Butch is the producer. My shot, my cousin on my other side produced the only two three LW hits. Like <laughs> Sean K, Sean Hong. He's just sprinkling okay. all. Yeah. No, 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 no. So these are all like this. We all grew up together. We flex didn't think, your we, power, flex your shit. Right. But it wasn't. We didn't look at it like that growing up. It was just what we did. And you know, Laney, so, your older brother, my yeah. mistake, he started everybody. Laney, Laney got everybody in. He uh, he caught a break. He got a publishing deal in '89 and. We, I was telling, we were talking earlier, we all just got up, packed up our cars, and moved mm -hmm. to L.A. in 92. Yeah. I was 22 years old. Trick was 18. We were just young kids. And we went out there, and we made it happen. That's but what it was really because my brother Laney just put everybody on. That was my <laughs> first job, was, was going to get his lunch and... Like, he didn't let me manage him. Laney never let me manage him, but he let me. <laughs> he didn't let his little brother run his business. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I got How? to be an assistant for $100, $125 a week. How is it working with family? Like, how do you create it's boundaries? It's complicated. Yeah. I've been fired so many times. What? No. Yeah. This just happens over like Thanksgiving, and I get my job back by I get my job back by like like like. Is Valentine's there no Day. talking at Thanksgiving yeah. now? It's like does I'm your mom talking. have a rule at the table? No, leave the business away. Nah, it's just the it's the opposite. It's like everything comes in. That's where the shit gets aired out. <laughs> the only one that's never fired me is Trick. I'm Trick's coming to Thanksgiving me. at your house. It looks like y'all be out there having some good yeah. conversation. So we did. I want to talk about um, EDM music, and yeah. we're going to talk about it in reference to R and B. Yeah, um, and, and, and it's something you guys. Talk about I want to just say Mark has a show called Statline Matters yeah. and he talks about sports by the way I love sports just as much as you yeah. uh, but he knows sports no 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 he well, knows his shit well interestingly enough I would say the connectors here this is one of the reasons why I was attracted to your show is that when you're in the studio mm -hmm. you get into these big philosophical Debates. discussions right yep. who's this who's the top five this blah 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 that's how my sports show came because mm -hmm. when we were in the studio we were always talking about Michael or Kobe or whatever. So I was like, I'm going to put that 
on where yes. you just and, took and my the music th- and my thing was I was just like yeah. my th- that's why I wanted to bring up a show. My thing was I felt like with the God show. First of all, the God stand it's spelled G A U D S, but it stands for goats and underdogs because uh-huh. I feel like the whole point of the show is is like. I love Stephen A. Smith, by the way. I watched it. I, I got to start my day with him. And I was like, man, like music is 24-7, 365. If you really think about sports, it's only about three or four hours out the day. But because of ESPN and, and those guys, it it feels like it's forever. Like, And if you look at the NFL, they only play. Everybody plays on Sunday, one game Monday, one game Thursday. But they talk about it Monday through Friday. So I was like, man, like what if there was common? We do have this anyway, by the way. And I think that. What I'm trying to do, what I was trying to do is bring the conversation up. So now I feel like everybody wants to have it now. So now I had Jay Cash hit me like, I got to come be on the show. All these people want to be on it. But to me, this is all we do any day. Like we literally meet. I remember meeting Mark coming up and I remember Tango, Neo's manager. I don't know if you remember, they embarrassed the hell out of me. And the studio was like, let's put the dream who, by the way, was already making huge hits. Yeah. Neo and Teron in the room and see who's the best. But Mark, I tell you, I was, I was talking shit like Teron oh, no, was who was, he was back then. I was listen, <laughs> but I tell people all the time, man. Like that's the that's the power of a great uh, creative executive manager, whatever you want to call it. Is like you have to manage your clients at whatever point they are. Like they already the biggest in the game. I know that's what I did when my when my, when my clients were whack. You couldn't tell me that. Nah. Like, I was going to represent them. And then eventually, if they're good enough, they'll, they'll yeah, step it and, up. And, and yeah, and I think that's why I have some respect for all of my OGs. Because when I came in the game, I was like, y'all going to know us. Oh, no, you went in. <laughs> and, like, I was thinking about that when I was driving over. I was like, bro, this dude, like, I think I don't know if that was the first day we yeah. met. But that was the first the day first we, day we ever met, sat down. Sat down and talked. Because Greg yeah. introduced us first outside of Red Zone. That's right. Yep, right. Greg Smith. Shout and out to Greg like, Smith. Man, he... I was like, man, my man is going in. He's like, I put my guy up against anybody. And and, and don't get me wrong, I think Teron had done some things, but, but it was, we was we was red hot. And so was Tango. And I was like, he in the big boy room right now, running it. And the Tango was like, we're gonna put 50,000. Oh, he probably ain't got that right now. <laughs> he, 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 was did, he, he was always trying he to make it. That's what I'm trying to tell y'all. I was fighting for my shit yeah. like we ain't have nothing. I want y'all to know this is not me talking shit now because we have a couple of records. I was talking shit. When we didn't have nothing, yeah, you was day one. I was, I'm like, you gonna meet, you gonna, you gonna feel us. But that's what I, that's really what I think, sort of, uh, was the beginning of our relationship. Yeah, I, I respected that because that's the only way to represent somebody. And you was one of the rare OGs that actually pulled me on your arm and was like, I love how you move. He actually was trying to get me hired at jobs. Mark was like, always my. I put on my first songwriter camp as a independent guy and Mark paid for the whole thing. I flew everybody to LA. Remember we did the Brian J, Curtis Fields, yeah, um, right. Sean Kingston. Damn, you let me buy out. Nah, yeah. bro, I remember that because that was yeah. that was the first time that I was calling the creative community like I'm doing a songwriter camp for Epic and they was like, you work for Epic? I'm like, nah, but I'm trying to. <laughs> I was trying to. I'm trying. I was, listen, I was trying to bring you on. Yeah, I wanted was. to bring you on. Wait, who we ain't gonna talk about that. I mean, I have it. Oh, Let's keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not my fault you didn't have the 50000 All right, so EDM is a lot like trying to I don't know if I had it either uh, at that moment. So who was putting up the 50 k I think Tango had it. <laughs> I yeah, could have got it. <laughs> but I'm but it saying, it, it would, I would have yeah, felt it. Yeah, we would have felt it. Yeah, I, I might have had it, but I would have felt it too, but I didn't have it. I, if I would have had it, and it would have been like, all right, I don't know how I'm going to survive for the rest of the year if I lose this <laughs> shit. But the reality is, is that I, I shouldn't have been arguing because the Dream and Neo were like... Gods at this point. 
They were and, hot. And they were we, in their moment. And we like, were like underdogs at the bottom of the underdog list, but we were coming. And I, I, I for some reason, and I think now I look back, I'm like, damn, I was audacious as fuck. But you know what I'll say? I, I see it a little bit different because you say you were underdog. I don't think you were underdog. I don't think Tehran was an underdog. I think writers come into their moment. And they have a window in which, like, it's like being in Vegas and rolling the dice and they hitting every time. That's where Dream was in that moment. That's where Neil, Neil's actually moment started before Dream. Yeah. Like, I want to oh, say. Mario, you should let me love you. Yeah, exactly. 05. So, 04. 05, 04, 04. 05. Yep. And he was rolling. And it doesn't stay open endlessly. Some people are able to extend. And Dream's had an amazing run. Uh, this Beyonce's all over this new Beyonce album. He did the whole album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's doing some of his greatest work, but now he's sort of, he's managing the gift now. Like yeah. he knows how to apply it, but exactly. he doesn't, he's not chasing. Yes. He's not chasing anything. He's just, he just sat with her. He would call me from the Hamptons and, you know, we still have, even though I don't manage him anymore, I feel like I do because we talk all the time. And uh, he was just up there like, nah, we just in here. We just in here working, you know? Yeah. yeah but the thing is, is that, and, and when I made the list, I want to, because People piss called me pissed off. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. I pissed at me. But that's how we called each other. Because <laughs> I was like, man, Niggas you got to go today. But here's my thing. I want to say what I was, because fa- I feel like, I feel like, and Mark, I feel like you can understand this. I think some people go through runs. Like, you know, like you can have a run, like, but then it's it's hard to have a career. Yes. And a, and a run might last two or three years. Yeah. But, but a career, and I, honestly, Esther's one of my favorite writers of all time, but she got to this place where she didn't, she didn't have the fire for it, and she was doing animation and TV, and I was like, it's kind of... And then it was either her or Neo, and I was like, but Neo wrote the song Gone Girl that I'm like, I don't know how he put it up as a male. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he was that. So, But for me, the dream was number one because since 05, he has not had a cold moment. Now, he might have had a focusing moment. Right. Like, he might have been quiet for a year, but then he'll pop out with an entire album. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it different. And he's also very, he's a Virgo, so I, like me, so he's also very, like, I do what the fuck I want. So yeah. I'm pretty sure if he wanted to have records everywhere, he could. But he's probably looking at himself like Van Gogh or one of them. Like, I want my art to be yes. in pl- the certain places. I already, I mean, I never met, I never had a conversation with a dream before. You never, you guys never said that? We, ne- we probably said what's up here him, and there. You got to get him on here. But I never had a conversation, I would love to. But I never had a conversation with him, but I'm a Virgo. I've been around him. And I just, I just understand. I study. I'm like people think I talk out my ass. No, I don't talk out my ass. Some writers I hear and I'm like, oh, that sounds like something he wrote. Like when I, like Tehran has a song he wrote for Doja Cat called Rules, and it's like play my pussy, but don't play in my emotions. I'm like that sounds like Tehran, mm. but then he wrote the song like that for her. This this shit, this smile weird. I'm like that don't sound like Tehran, right? Because Tehran is very good with making like pop melodies. With raunchy lyrics. Yeah. See what I'm trying to say? So yeah. everybody has their own thing that they do. So when I hear a song, I'm like, oh, that sounds like such and such wrote that. So that's why I was factoring on. So when you yeah. hear the dream did Baby, then you hear him did the same writer. It sounds like the same writer wrote Umbrella is the same writer that wrote Bed. Put you to right. bed. Right. Eh. So if you pay attention to nuances and songs like I do, you can peep that. So niggas be really thinking I'm talking, but I love somebody to come debate me because I'm like, I really, I'm not talking on my ass. I really can say, I can name 10 songs and it sound like the same 10 songs from the same writer. Yeah, yeah, that's the cool that's thing. That's hard about, though. And, and particularly what Trick and Dream do together is is very versatile. They went from throw it in the bag on uh on Fab to 
a song called Skies of LA on Celine Dion don't sound like the same two guys, same two guys wrote the record. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that to me, I respect. And I think Tehran has, he probably, I wouldn't even say he's had a run, but the thing about what us, Tehran is, Tehran has had every year since 2007, we've had a hit on the radio. That's incredible. Every year, for, I didn't even realize that's 15 years, but every year, and one might have been number one format in urban, and one might be yeah. number one format in pop, and we've also had number one records in, in the Latin market. So for me, it's like, that's a complete writer. Yes. That's why I think Michael Jordan did the sports, by the way, because to basketball, because basketball was a big man sport. Yeah. It was like, you needed a center to win, yeah. and then, he came in 6'6", six, six, controlling the ball and bust everybody ass, and yes. he changed the entire GOAT conversation going forward because now it's about overall player. Yeah. Mm. Not about who can just dominate the whole. It's about who can lead a team to win. So to me, that's why I was looking at for a songwriter. Songwriter to me is who is an alpha? Who's the alpha? Who's the motherfucker in the room? Some people are very good to pick up and be like, here, here's some help. But some motherfuckers can come in the room and say, this is what we doing. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I look at it. That's an incredible... Uh, EDM that music is. is electronic dance music. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, Usher's DJ Got Us Fall In Love Again. Uh, Neo, Beautiful Monster. Like, it's four to the floor. It's like... Is it's it like, the same as house music? It's kind of like the white man's R&B. Well, can, let me make Go this, ahead. Let Go me ahead, answer please. your question. Because that was a big part of what I wanted to say. Growing up in Chicago... Uh, the home of house music. Mm -hmm. um, and when you study your music history, dance music has always been something that we as black people own. Luther Vandross had you on the dance floor. Yep. Uh, you know, Aretha had you on the dance floor. Michael Jackson on the, on the Off the Wall album. Quincy Jones had you on the dance floor with Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. So mm -hmm. that level of dance music is not something that we as black creators and people who uh, support black creators should... We shouldn't feel disconnected from it. What EDM, I think, got uh, tagged with is being the pop, sort of um, homogenized, computerized version of that, that they were able to remove the artist, essentially, from yes. and plug in the DJ personality and make that the thing. And then that's where this conversation begins, because that's where it got weird. That, yeah. that makes it digestible for me because yeah. now I could picture it. Yeah, it, it, the, the voice didn't matter. It was the people didn't come to see the voice. They came to see the DJ and whatever came along with him. Yeah. These people are not here. They're not here for you. They're here for the, the environment. Yeah, They just want to have fun. So if I'm an artist, right, and I'm about to... So with somebody come to me to make my song an EDM? How does that process Well, when go? Well, a lot of it is, it's, it's kind of twofold. The DJs, I think, and look, I might have my history wrong on this, but um, for these EDM guys, it was really about them remixing Yes, that's how it started. Records. Yeah. Like, things are already out, so they can be formatted for the club that people want to go into yeah. and use Molly and do whatever they do in the clubs. <laughs> yeah. Right? Please. So, and then they became really good at it and then they started going, well, let's see if we can, they were taking, at that, at that point, they started taking pop songs. Yeah. And then doing those remixes before the public ever heard them. They were doing festivals first. Yeah. EDM music is really the, the, the how festivals started. You would go to like a festival and it'd be fucking 20 DJs on a list and nobody's performing and it's just music playing and people high and partying and having a great time and that was really how it started. Like the reiteration of festivals because obviously at Woodstock and those other things but yeah. how it turned back up was EDM guys. And I got, it was, as a business person, it got really confusing for me because I'm like, you started, and I know you heard this too, right? You started hearing 
the numbers that these guys were getting <laughs> to go to Vegas and do uh, residencies and what these guys were doing to do uh, festivals. Mm -hmm. And they were making more money than artists. These guys were pulling in tens of millions of dollars a year and in some cases weren't even creating anything. Yeah. Nope. Like they were just playing remixes or playing stuff that other guys had done. They were the brand. They were just a brand. Like David Ghetto, games. like is you you showed up to see Ghetto. Like Yeah, because yeah, I asked that they have a category of the Grammys and they were like, No, the Grammys didn't kind of catch up with that yet. Because it's kind of a remix, like you said, oh it kind of started that way and then it just became it's a cash cow now, but unfortunately it's there's a kind of a, a click in a scene that controls it all. And mm -hmm. I think there was a point, I think this is where we're going to pick up the conversation. What was that impact on our music? Because mm -hmm. then there was a point where it was like, it seemed as if everybody wanted just that, or they wanted every artist to have their version of that. And some, some artists took the bait <laughs> and some didn't, but I have some thoughts and they might be a little bit different. So I'm going to let you like kind of. So, so, so my theory is, is that when I say EDM, so how I look at it from 2000 to today, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think the premier R&B male artist has always been Usher. Like, I think Chris has had his moment. Trey has had his moment. The Dream Love Hate album is one of the top five R&B albums of the last two, 20 years, period. But when, so I feel like Usher was the leader, though. He mm -hmm. was always like, you kind of like, that's the king that everybody, mm -hmm. I mean, R. Kelly was there, but he was on his own world. Like, he yeah. was like his own ecosystem. He, he did his way, his thing. He showed when he wanted, left when he wanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but, Usher was the king. So for me, when Usher did Oh My God, it was like, and you know, the, the rumor that I've heard from numerous people who are close to Usher, and I'm, Usher might have said this on record was, was that during Usher's confessions moment, he was, he was making more money from the DJ's got us falling in love time than he was from the confessions moment. So he was like, I was like, damn, I never looked at it like that. Cause, but rappers on the other hand, they can go to get money everywhere. Right. So EDM bought the rap hustle let me let me ask you let me ask you the question like this: Do you have an issue with the artist that chose to do that? No, um, no. That chose to take that no EDM no path because I don't even <clears throat> that's what, that's what, that's why I'm saying it's not EDM music. It was the EDM money because it's like once you go like I'm pretty sure Mark you and your career now are probably not doing the same things for trick that you did 10 years ago. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. because you get to a certain point yeah. where you're like I'm past that. Yeah. So when an R&B artist gets to the point where they're like man I just made Neo went from making what 100,000 a night to half a million. How the fuck you expect me to go down to 100,000? Yeah. I'm going to keep singing these pop songs but you get further and further and further. Yeah. And then guess what happens? Somebody like Bruno Mars comes back and reinvents what we all loved anyway with 24 Magic. And right. then now everybody, like, I remember, we was I remember we was talking and one day and we looked at it and it was like, Usher was like, damn, that 24 Magic is fire. And I was like, damn, we, could you do that? It was really honest. He's like, I don't know. I'm like, how will we receive Usher doing 24 Magic? Right. And he was like, I don't, I don't know. So for me, I just look at it like, but it's money. Economics to me is what killed it because now we really want that nice steak but you get just as full from a chick-fil-a sandwich by the way yeah just the steak just tastes better probably and it just you know but it costs a way more so you got to decide what do i want to be do i want to make that investment but mark made a good point earlier when we were talking he said that it's okay to go other places but you have to know how to come home and yeah i want you to elaborate on that yeah i think i think an artist has a responsibility right to i think they have the they can do whatever they want and express themselves however they want to do it 
But they also have to get home. That's what the issue that I have with John is that John is not making good attempts at going back to the people who liked Save Room and who like, you know, the early. That album is incredible, by the way. Right. But he's done nothing to regain that. Like, I think Usher came back. He tried. He, he, he did come tried. back. Yeah. You know Because he didn't know. We did No Limit with him. You did No Limit. With him. Did, and he did. Yeah, the, what was course. the record with uh, Skrillex? The um, um, Climax. Climax. Hmm. Fire. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like so Fire. he was and, and I and I even think that was a that, that was like a like mashup. He, he was you know he know was intentional. Yeah. It was a, it was yeah. a, actually is a great a great great example. But yeah, but I think it hurt us because we started they started making too much money. And then, you know, labels, people always blame labels. Labels don't give a fuck. If gospel music was selling 10 yeah, million albums, right out nigga, we would be out there Kirk Franklin yeah. now. Am I right or wrong? <laughs> yes, they they literally are like, we just want to make money. Yeah. But when the artist has to decide, like, you have to make a conscious effort to say, I'm not doing that. I know I can make 10 million this year doing that, but I'm gonna make three million doing this. Yeah. But I rather, but I'd rather make three million for 20 years. Then make ten million for three years, exactly. and then I, I, and, then I let, and that's how I looked at it. Because if, if I can make three million in twenty years, then that means I can then start building other things on top of it. Yeah. That's but I think EDM money killed it. I think it was one of the murderers of R and B music. EDM money, and I will add this too, though. Tell me, because here's here's the thing about R and B. When R and B is at its best, it's naturally pop music. Period. When Usher made yeah, in Shout out to Sean Garrett. Yeah, Sean Garrett for sure. Q, all those guys. JQ too, JQ. Um, in 03, was that 03? 04. 04. That record was just a big record. Everybody yeah. liked that. That was yeah. Lil Jon. That was, that was a big record. That's R&B at its best. Yes. And I think sometimes where we get messed up is when we see that artist make that that R&B song that goes. Mm -hmm. See, I don't like all the labels. I don't like, oh, now it's pop. Yeah, wow, I agree. That's black music that just went where it's supposed to go because when black people do great things, it goes all the way back to Motown. Yep. When you with, with, with Barry Gordy and those guys are doing back in Detroit, that shit was going everywhere against all odds because white America didn't want those records. Exactly. Those I agree. just dominated and penetrated. So when we do what we do, it's just black music going where it's supposed to go. And that's what stopped. Because I think when R&B dudes... I love that he said that. I, I'm going, I gotta because, go. I love when, you're right, when, by the way. Because when R&B dudes start trying to compete with rappers, uh -oh. that's where they also get in trouble. I agree. But like every artist was at their peak when they were their truest self. Yes. I agree. I don't care what you say. It might, you might chase and it might work. But if you chase one seat, you got up out of another one. You got to find your way back. You What's that Beyonce song? Yes. Find your way <laughs> find, back. Find your way back. That's and, from the, the, the and, Lion and, King and, project. And here's the crazy part. Everybody's trying to now. Yes. Because everybody wants the genre back. But, yeah. bro, now you gotta, we got to start back over. And who's going to invest the time and not worry about the money and care about it? And we got to also figure out how to not make it be Urban AC because R&B artists are not okay going there because they feel like that's where they go to die. I don't agree, by the way. But... In my mind, it's like, how do we have we have to decide what do we want to be and how are we gonna bring it back? What would you suggest? Man, I mean, look, I grew up, I came into this industry a long, long time ago. And one of the things that was a normal thing is like it's the song, the song, the song. It's always a song. Mm -hmm. Even in the EDM world, the best EDM records have the best songs attached. It's not just the elements, it's not just, you know, all of the the bells and whistles, like 
we get into the process of beats and I've got this guy and Teron's going to write it and all of that. But you can't Svengali any record. It's, it's chemistry. It's natural things that happen. It's magic that goes on in the studio, right? And it's you either got the song or you don't. So my emphasis is on high-level quality songwriting. Because I always believe this. You can buy trendy production. Yeah. Trendy production is for sale. Period. Talk that shit. But songs... Songs. Song. Don't I'll preach that to everybody. Songs. Like, um, there's a uh it was a, I was listening to a brandy record the other day, and there's a Diane Warren song on a brandy album, uh, Have You Ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a song is incredible. Diane Warren wrote that song, yeah. a white woman. Ronnie Jerkins produced it. Mm-hmm. The song belonged on Brandy. Probably the way a white producer would have produced it would have been, been totally different for totally that different. record. Yep. But Rodney knew how to make that record. I think that's mm-hmm. Rodney's record. I think Rodney did that. If I got it wrong, I'm sorry. But um, he knew how to make that record for Brandy. And that's what we have to do. We got to focus on songs and then figure out the right production elements to make it work and not feel AC. Before we go into the debate, um, I just want to ask this real quick. David so, Foster. Oh, David Foster made the song. My question oh, is... Oh, David did make that. You're right. David made that. So the biggest David's factor good. to me in R&B is soul, having soul. So yes. when we go in the EDM music, don't we kind of lose that soul part to of me, you the do. R&B? Yeah. So like we start disconnecting with it. You mentioned disconnect earlier. So how do, once you go over there, how do you come back after you disconnect it from culture? I think you do it. And I think you, like from a, from a strategic standpoint... I think you don't do it under your artist brand. If you want to make that record, go yeah. make it with a DJ. Yeah. Mm. And sing it on his shit. Let him promote exactly. it. Let him go hard it. And then when you need to, you're in front of that audience, go sing it. Akon was That's really good at doing smart. that. Yeah. Akon would be convict over here. Then he'll go to David Guetta and be yeah. sexy bitch. Then he'll go to Gwen Stefani. Yeah. And then he'll go to Snoop and be I want to fuck you. And then he'll go yeah. to Eminem and be smack that. Yeah. He was really good at like taking himself and putting him in the middle of shit. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, just go make that part of somebody but else's I, thing. But, I will, but what I was going to say to add to this before we get to the other part, I was going to say that that is why I stress for R&B to be in power, you need black executives leading the charge. Because not for money, by the way, but we both worked for L.A. Reid. And what L.A. Reid did that I seen was he gave he gave you permission to be as black as you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Like he actually encouraged it. He didn't say we're going to cross over. He wanted you to be as black as you wanted to be. And that's what I think we need black executives for. Because sometimes you don't believe how many artists I sit in the room with that are black that I got to tell them, you're not pop. You're black first. Yeah. They, yeah. You might have a pop audience, but they see a black person. Sure. They, that, and you know what I mean? It's me, cultural differences. Yeah, that's, that's what yeah, I'm saying. But you're yeah. still a black yeah. artist. So 100%. that's why I think we need more black executives leading the charge that have the confidence to lead the charge, by yeah. the way. Also, because you might have a black executive in charge, but he's like listening to what they tell him to do up there. And up there, they worry about numbers, which they should. Yeah. But you still need someone like we both work for. L.A. was blocking. Yeah. He was blocking for his artists. Yeah. And when he fucked up, he knew he fucked up, but yeah. he was blocking. He was treating Future like Future was a superstar before he was. Yeah. Same with Travis. He was yeah. treating Travis Scott like he was a super. I seen this with my own eyes. Yeah. Like when he was getting pressure, like drop them. And he was like, nah. Yeah. They going to be something. Like you need that person that understands the importance of the process. And, and I'll add, and this may be a whole nother show, but mm-hmm. we have to keep uh, competent black managers at close to prominent black artists. Well. Yes, sir. Uh, there's a, there's a with whole... A, with, a, with an emphasis on competent. Right. 
What's the importance of that? Like, what do you struggle Because I think you need people managing your business correctly. I, I, I always say when people go, well, what do you do? <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm a music publisher. I, own a, I have a record label. I have a studio. I have all this. But what, I, what I'm in, I'm in the advice business. Mm-hmm. I give advice. I, I, say, I say I'm a coach. Yes. Because, you know, I like the best way to describe it is imagine the building's on fire. By the way, in our business, no, seriously, in, in our business, the you know, um, um, figuratively speaking, the building might be on fire. Yeah. Right. And you want somebody who's not like, what are we going to do? And like, I don't, I don't know. Right. You just it, go. You want somebody that's like, there. and mind you, yeah. you might not know the answer every time, yeah. but you still got to make people feel like, calm down. We're going to be okay. This it's like your instinct kicked in. That's what I, that's what I mean by competent because yeah. I, I, I know what you mean because I've seen so many great talent creatives lose because Either they have somebody that didn't understand them. That's why it's important to have somebody that understands you. And they have somebody who understood them but was comp- that was incompetent. And they didn't know how to handle the decision making and everything else. And I can tell you, and mind you, I love to talk about my mistakes. Like, I love talking about them because that was, the, I, I recovered, number one, sure. but it was like, damn, I was wrong. Yeah. Damn, I was wrong. Because sometimes you might be protecting your talent so much that you're not even hearing what they need to hear to get through. I've like, had those moments where my OGs have called me. Yeah. And been like, yo, I'm hearing too much. Like, you're going way too hard. Like, they were like, yo, you killing them, but you're going way yeah, too hard. I heard stories about y'all. And, like, and, I, and I've had people, I got pulled in. Yeah. You know. And they, like, had, they, had and they were right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I acted accordingly. But no, I think, I think it's key to have those people around you, like you said, to be honest. And I think established enough. So when I tell an artist something, like, they can't intimidate me because I already got money. Right. Yeah. Like if you, if I'm the homie and I was, you know, me and my brother grew up together and there was a moment where like, okay, yeah, we, we both struggling, but you still got to listen to what I say. Period. But now it's like, I'm sitting with somebody new. It's like, okay, cool. You don't have to do it my way. I'm good. Let me tell you a funny story. One day Teron was in, in the studio with Jimmy Iovine and played Jimmy a song and I'm in the room and Teron literally plays a song for Jimmy and then as soon as the song goes off, he looks at me, Ray, what you think? He didn't even care what Jimmy thought. Right. Because, Jimmy, it's cool that you think, but this the dude that helped build with this. Yeah. I'm, and that was, to me, that was always like, that's, yeah. that has never changed right. to this day. Yeah. He don't care what nobody thinks. I care what you think. Because, but that comes from, he knows I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be sure. real. And if I'm wrong, I've been wrong. I've been wrong a couple times, by the way. It was some record I was like, nah. And then it worked. And it was some records he was like, nah, and then it worked. But that's the whole point of nobody's right 100% of the time because if he was, he'd be a fucking the richest person in the music industry history. Yeah. But, but competence means learning, like, did I make an emotional decision? Did I make a subjective decision? Or was I objective? Like, how, like what, was, what was, was that emotional? Was it thoughtful? Like, what am I doing? And that's the shit that I've done. But here's why, though, because I knew people like Mark was looking at me. And... You know, you don't want to get that call to come up and be like, what the fuck is wrong? Even when Mark would call me about, even when I did this podcast, this is jumping off the porch in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It was like, shit, man, how do people feel about me talking about, because our conversations on camera is no, it's actually worse when the cameras aren't around. (laughs) Yeah, because then you get the call. (laughs) Because then you get to go to fuck (laughs) in. So I'm really just bringing what we do every day. But so, so the show is called The Ghosts and the Underdog. So what we like to do, Mark, we like to do. But being that this is about R&B and EDM records, we like to do our top five EDM R&B, R&B records. Uh, and mind you, it's our personal, by the way. Okay, just for one distinction, <laughs> I didn't make R&B EDM records. You made I just your, did EDM records. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I, I did my, EDM. my top five. 
Okay, so your top five EDM records. Yes, he's my top five. So how but we do it is run them off. Okay, and then we go. Then, then we go. Five to one. Yeah, go for. Of course. It's okay. You, yes, you, it's your. All right. So this is just my my list. No criteria. I didn't Google stats or anything on this. This is your personal list. This Nobody, is my personal list. If so, anybody looks at this, please don't get pissed. Yeah. This is his personal taste. So my number five record is Clarity by Zed and Foxes. You know that record? Nope. But go ahead. It's a smash. Okay. Uh, number four was. Uh, Stronger by Kanye West and Daft Punk. No, I got it. Go on, keep going. Number, uh, three. number three, David Guetta and Sia Titanium. It's more of a it was more of a pop record, but that's bananas. Uh, two, only girl in the world, Rihanna. And number <laughs> one, we found love, Rihanna. Yes. Those so most of them are army. I got three army no, 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 two, no, no, two no, no. ones. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, so I'm I'm gonna give you mine. My top five from five to one, and now I'm going. Uh, I'm 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 gonna put because one of them, my number one, wasn't gonna be number one because it wasn't a singer. But I'm gonna make it my number one now. Okay. My five is because I went aren't no, I went R and B, R and B EDM. Number five was. Kerry Hilson and Timberland, where you are. Okay. Baby, no, 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 no. Number four was Chris Brown, Beautiful People. Yeah. Was that, that was a Benny yeah. Benassi record? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Number three was Chris Brown, Forever. Yeah. Wow. That's a good one. By the way, Polo brought our EDM to. He, yeah. People don't give him crowds for that. Yeah. Number two was Usher, Oh My God. Amazing record. Oh my God. Will I am on that. Oh my and number one, Will I am is on two is Black Eyed Peas. I got a feeling. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Right. So no, I, I love your <laughs> list. I mean, I have no problem. I have no issues with yeah. your list at all. But 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 Black Eyed Peas, I got a feeling is one of the greatest songs yeah. ever made. Yeah. I got a feeling tonight's gonna be a good night. Amen. Usher oh, oh my God. And then my fourth, if I didn't if he was gonna go all that, my my I fifth would have been one. No, my fifth would have been Neo Closer. Okay, yeah, boy. no. Wait, I was the the Chris Brown record with uh, Benny Benassi. That, I love that record. That was one of my honorable mentions. Credible, cred, incredible. You said something about Polo to Don. Yeah. So what, what was his contribution to? He did forever. Okay. Yeah. So but, you but, said he doesn't get enough but, but, credit. But no, no. What I'm saying is that, and I think Marka understand this. A lot of black creatives create things. And then other genres take it and run with it like it's theirs. But I'm saying Chris Brown Forever was one of the first real EDM smashes. Meant to be an EDM. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think he called it EDM. Polo was no, just being like, creative as fuck. But that's what I'm saying. That goes back to my original statement about black artists putting people on the dance floor. Like, we made four on the floor. That's yeah. us. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. So we have, like, I'm not shocked that Polo did that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's black music. Like, they, like, EDM in the context of what we're talking about it, respectfully, is a watered-down, homogenized version of the black music that Quincy did, the black music that, you know, that all of our predecessors yes. did. And me being from Chicago... Like the true you, house music, you the know. Steve Silk Hurley, the Marshall Jefferson, you know, like Frankie Knuckles, like J.B. Principal, like all those dudes in the 80s that were making the records that were setting the party off. And that, and there's others yeah. that came before them. But, but but if you be honest with you, I think that's the whole lesson of this show that if I wanted one lesson to be taken to any black artist out there is, is you just got to be confident in your shit and know that you are the shit because... And my business advice would be, name is something. 
the greatest thing Tip ever did was name his album Trap Music. Because now when they do Latin Trap, EDM Trap, yeah. we all know the origin of that shit was yeah. T.I.P. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? An Atlanta nigga. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and for me, it's like, if you're going to do something, Bryson Tiller did that when he did Trap Soul. Yeah. Right? You know, like, if you're going to do something, give it a name. Because if, you just ex if you're just exploring and hope the people to find it, somebody going to take that shit. Wrap it up, yeah. put it in the bottle, and sell it to the people, and you're going to be pissed because it wasn't yours, but it's the shit. Because we are black people, and black music is everything. Yeah. But we just got to stay true to ourselves and get that shit a title. So that way, if someone does it... Well, and like even what you said, and I, I was... Uh, when you were speaking about, uh, on the songwriters episode, about who was from Atlanta, and... You know, I'm not from Atlanta, but I've been here enough years where I, where I understand the culture. And so many of these records, when we talk about Esther writing fireworks, that's Atlanta. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, when I, I would like to do a, 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 a goat to see who has more, what has more hit songwriters. What what have they, what more hit, what city has more hits? Because Atlanta is the shit. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, we, we, it goes in so many different directions because it's not just trap. Trap yeah. records. It's like, like break my soul. That was made five minutes from here. Yeah, that song was written ten, five, ten minutes from where we sitting right now. Exactly. I'm and that you. record went everywhere. It sure did. You know what I mean? Right. So, so in closing, do you think EDM music, EDM money, killed R and B music? No, it's one of the killers. It's one of the killers. I What's agree. another one? Hold on. No, no, we, no, no, that's good. I want to stop there. <laughs> yeah, I want, it, my OG say agree. <laughs> and listen, no. I don't give a fuck. Nobody say in the comments. Uh, one of the architects of this shit. <laughs> Actually, hey, look, I don't know about all of the architects. No, take stuff. it. Take it. One I, of the architects I'll just say of this, this shit. I, I always give the, uh, the credit to the creators, the people who do. The thing, like I always say, your job is hard. You got to do, if you're an artist, you got to go do the singing and dancing. That's a much harder job. I be on the phone all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just like you, like, you know, two phones, you're doing this, but you got the hardest job. Like, when, and, and I got a shout out to Tab, both our brother. Yeah. No, um, Tab. You know, he's a guy that I've known. Tab doesn't like for me to tell people how long we've known each other because he's, un, he's, he lies about his age. I won't say he lies. He <laughs> lets you believe you, he's you believe, Exactly. But he, me and him are the same age, basically. And we've known each other for a long time. And we, Tab brought me, he's such a part of my company, uh, Red Zone, now RZ3, third, third iteration of Red Zone. Like, I remember the day he called me and said, I signed this kid, uh, publishing. He needs a manager. He's really dope. And it was Frank Ocean. Mm -hmm. And I signed him to management. And then I took him and I said, I'll never forget the day. Listen down to his music. He said, listen to his music. I listened down to it. I said, man, this sounds like an artist. Mm -hmm. I said, this don't, you know, he was writing. He had a song on Justin Bieber, a couple people. I said, this sounds like an artist. And so he's like, I said, what's wrong with him? Like, I had never seen him. I said, he like, I said, he not marketable or something? He's like, no, he a little backpack nigga. That's what he said. He's like, a little backpack type dude. So fast forward, I signed, like, I brought him to my brother. We signed him, brought him to Def Jam. And that's how he ended up there. But none of that would have happened without Tab. Yeah. And I would, like, in telling my story and telling Trick's story and telling Laney's story, Kooks, all of the people that we talked about, I, none of that happens. He's a part of almost every one of those of stories. Of course. So I wanted to make sure I shout, yeah, shout out. Shout out to Tab. I got to get him on here. I got to get him on here. That's, how, that's yeah. my brother, straight up. One yeah, of the, and, and, and I know he... One of the yeah, best people yeah. in the world, and he deserves... 
that's the point of this shit, man. We don't get that. Yeah. Because, you know, when you hustling, sometimes you hustling and you in it. But I always say some, sometimes you need to talk to people to see how they see you. Yeah. Because when you in it, you don't see yourself as that. Yeah. You just, you in it. You fighting the fights every day. Yeah. So sometimes you need somebody to tell them that. And, like, Tab is really one of the goats out here on this A&R shit. And yeah. it's a shame that he's not running a company right now because he should be. Yeah. It's funny, too, because you, this is the last little story I'll tell one day. And I forget. We were arguing about something. You was mad at me about something. This when I was at the label. Yeah. And uh, you, was, you, you were, I won't say you were screaming, but you were Me elevated. and you? Yes. Okay. I, oh, I'll touch my tab. Okay, I got to hear you. You were elevated, <laughs> and, but you you gave me something that I took away that was important. You said, "Look, man, you gotta." He said, "You and your brother, y'all just passed to each other." I remember that day. He said, "You gotta understand how to how to play the game." I said, "Pass people. me the ball." Pass me the ball. I said, "I said, yeah, this, y'all, because because you gotta understand, they are like their own Atlanta conglomerate, and these are the guys who have like you heard like in." Britney Spears is in town recording. They was at their studio. Yeah. Like, Christina Aguilera is here recording. They was at, like, their studio was the studio and still is. That's that's actually Sony Studios right yeah. now. They leased it to Sony. But it was just one of them things where it's like, you couldn't get in. It was like Tricky and Dream. Yeah. Them niggas was playing Keep Away. Yeah. Ray was and like, can I play with you? Yeah. And, I, and I was invisible. I was like, bro, yeah. you got to pass, pass me the ball. He was screaming on me. He's like, you got to pass me the ball, man. Pass me the ball, man. I want to play. I was going, man, I'm getting yelled at. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. But it was like, man, pass the ball, please, man. Can I help? But, but I took that, and what I took away with that is as a business person, how we do have to expand not just the conversation, yeah. but the commerce, the, yeah. the money-making opportunities. If I have the artist that's headlining and you got the artist that's developing, call your folks and be able to Together. get them on that tour. You know, you got the up-and-coming writer. Hey, man, I got my label deal. I'm looking for songs. Let's, you know, you help me expand it. Because you do... Here in Atlanta and every other click, you can get caught up in your own silo. Y'all exactly. up here doing what y'all do. You have to make a conscious effort to expand exactly. outside of your thing and connect with guys like you. And, and they, first of all, thank you for having me on. But I love what y'all doing here. I love what thank you. this podcast. I think it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's, 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 this is not gonna be your first time on here. Cause, back, cause I got. Cause I gotta have the songwriter conversation with you again. Let's do it. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm I'm down for all these conversations. And, and, and just real quick, I'm gonna shout out my podcast again. Check us out, Stat Lives Sports. Uh, discussion from the perspective of music guys. So it's still a, a music tone, but we talking about sports from that standpoint. Before I started this, I called him, by the way. Remember I called you, said, yeah. how you doing it? How should yeah. I do it? Yeah, I'm just letting y'all know. See, yeah. I call my OGs. It's okay yeah. to ask for help, y'all. Yeah. Everybody in the room. Once yeah. again, thank you Let's for get sitting it. down with us. I appreciate you for being nah, here. Thank you for having me. This is the God it. Show. It was amazing. We out. We out. Let's go. That was amazing. <laughs> 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 Man, I, I've been...